This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, happy Friday. Um, you know, if it means anything to some people who maybe are you know, still deemed essential and working, possibly a uh, weekend insight here. Um, your host, Jeff Lloyd from SI.com, Mr. Pete Smith, along for the ride here. Um, we're getting a documentary tonight, Pete. Um, but being around football for you, as long as you've been around it, for me, as long as I've been around it, I got to be honest, I, I don't know if I can truly watch this Alex Smith in the fight to keep his leg. I mean, God bless him and everything he's been through. But, you know, seeing these injuries, the amount of surgeries involved, I don't know if my stomach can handle that one. Um, right. I mean, don't get me wrong, the the, the amount of stuff that Alex Smith has had to go through is interesting from that standpoint because, it, you know, he – it was supposed to be a simple – I mean, as simple as it can get – broken leg, and then he ran into all these complications uh, along the way that are like, you know, one, almost lost his life, and then two, have dramatically – altered it so I mean there's and and a lot of it's just not really known so I mean from that standpoint it's interesting but no I'm not I'm not big on watching uh body parts do things they're not supposed to or just grotesque uh injuries that doesn't really do much for me but at some point I'll probably end up breaking down and watching it just just, uh just uh out of lack of options yeah, I mean, there's only so many run, reruns or something else you can watch here. Um, first year I, I was coaching, I was probably 22, 23 years old. Had a scrimmage. Uh, we had a sophomore quarterback. wasn't our starter. This was late in the scrimmage. Rolled out left side. Beautiful run, probably 25, 30 yards. Got caught up in the chains. And you know, going over there and you know, literally saw part of the kid's leg bone. You know, hurled immediately. I was just like, yeah. I mean, I, I've never... Ben, that guy, I mean, you know, this should be interesting. I'm sure it'll do well because, like Pete said, it doesn't have much competition whatsoever. And, you know, it seems like, you know, Alex Smith is holding up, you know, through faith, you know, mentally about as well as somebody can through the circumstances. And God bless him for it. Uh, we're going to get to uh, Jets draft class, obviously, on the schedule here this year. Las Vegas Raiders on the schedule this year. We're going to talk a little bit about where the positional groups now stand here as far as, you know, basing, you know, stacking them up once against each other. But, you know, Pete, the New York Jets on the schedule again. I mean, it's to this point, it almost seems like, you know, the Jets have become like homecoming. It's, you know, it's on the schedule, intended or not, somehow, someway, Browns, Jets, there will always be a contest each and every season. Um, Started off in round one. uh, This was the third of the fourth tackles, Makai Becton, obviously the big kid out of Louisville. Um, traded down in the second, we're able to still get a solid receiver that they're going to need in Denzel Mims. Ashton Davis is a player we spent a lot of time talking about on, you know, on this show. Jabari Zaniga, Ed Rusher out of Florida, um, doubled up from Florida with LaMichael, uh, LaMichael Perrine, uh, uh, James Morgan, quarterback, Florida International, Cameron, Pl- Cameron Clark out of Charlotte. I know he was a player that we talked about a little bit here. Love the fifth round pick, um, you know, 158 overall, cornerback Bryce Hall, player we absolutely loved. Um, probably could have been a first rounder in 2019 if he chose to be. Um, then in the sixth round, uh, you know, yeah, a specialist, um, yeah, whatever. It, it, it's a punter. It's, you know, it's not a Scottish hammer, that's for damn sure. Pete, the Jets 2020 rookie draft class. Uh, they have one of the more interesting draft classes because there's a lot of just interesting players like 
Mackay Becton, you just want to see what it's going to, what it's going to look like. I mean, it's like, you don't, maybe, maybe I'm sure there are people who did, but my, my thought process is I didn't want him on my team, but I'm genuinely fascinated to see how he does now on the Jets. Uh, just cause he's freakishly massive. I mean, who's not sort of excited to see Miles Garrett take on Mackay Becton? I mean, that's, just good stuff. Uh, Denzel Mims, I'm surprised he lasted as long as he did. Uh, he's a pretty good receiver. He's got Pro Bowl upside, uh, which is better than some of the guys who went in the first round, C.D. Lamb. Um, but he just does a lot of things. Obviously, you know, there's the Baylor effect, but he's big, strong, fast. He was just simply more athletically gifted than most anyone he was going up against. Ashton Davis is interesting. Uh, you know, his, his background is fascinating. Walking on uh, as a football player by getting a track scholarship, he was that invested in it. Uh, a little older than you prefer. Production's a little lower. But, uh, you know, he was playing essentially center field with no left or right fielder uh, for, for Cal, just trying to cover everything up. So that one's interesting. Jabari Zuniga sucks. Uh, LaMichael P. Ryan is interesting um, as sort of a role player. I don't think he's got a ton of upside, but just sort of a gadget, uh, just interesting guy that can give you a couple touches a game is pretty solid. Um, quarterback I don't care about. Cameron Clark is kind of interesting as a prospect. Bryce Hall is fascinating to me. Um, if the Because I, I, I don't think he was a fit for the Browns as a corner. But I do think he would have been a fascinating player as a potential safety. Uh, he was just exceptionally gifted at off-man coverage and coming downhill and playing the ball. Um, and then, obviously, he had an injury. And I don't know what his status is on that, allegedly cleared from it. But, I mean, he was arguably the best corner uh, coming back into this class. And then he gets hurt and, and falls the fifth round. So, I mean, if it works – it's potentially a, a massive value for the Jets, um, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's it's like when the – well, not quite the same, but a similar deal is when the, the Browns drafted Ikpre uh, Olamu from uh, Oregon, who was a tremendous corner, then had a knee injury and never really panned out, but they bet on him in the seventh round, so it was fine. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the Jets overall, very interesting to see how it works. Uh, they can't they can't get away from bad Florida defensive ends. Uh, but other than that, I think we'll be fine. Um, it's, it's, it, it's remarkable that the, the need for pass rushes, and you're talking probably six regimes now for the New York Jets, where, you know, they just figure if, you, you know, you throw a bunch of average guys on it, they think maybe something will happen with it. Um, and to this point, um, you need to love the Bryce Hall pick. Um, if the knee is back, you have yourself a you know a starting number two corner. This team certainly needs defensive back help. Um, Jet fans are excited. Oh well, you have Jamal Adams, you have Marcus May, and you have Ashton Davis. Marcus May, Marcus May never plays, so I, I don't know what the allure, the attraction is there. And yes, there certainly is some sort of Florida thing in the New York Jets, and it's not really panned out much whatsoever here. Denzel Mims, it's kind of interesting, Pete, because. He essentially went where he was before we started the process. Mobile had a great week in there, turned a ton of heads, went to the combine, had a ridiculous combine, and now people were putting him in the conversation of, you know, 
third, fourth, fifth drafted wide receiver. I think he ended up maybe 10th or whatever. Um, but it, the way it unfolded for him is, you know, it seemed like the rise he got, he ended up at the end of the day going where he was going to go before the entire draft process began. Uh, as it often happens uh, with the whole thing, I mean, it's, that's sort of the Andrew Thomas deal. I mean, before the season, it was a given that he was the top tackle throughout the college season. It was given he was the top tackle. And then the draft process, well, you know, maybe he's not that good. Maybe he's the fourth best tackle. And then the draft comes up and boom, top tackle. So, yeah, there's some element of that. Uh, there's some questions with him. I mean, allegedly he was playing with a broken hand, which caused some drops. I, I don't know. I, 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 he did not exactly, he did not perform like a stud at the senior bowl, but I thought he was good. Uh, so, I mean, maybe that's part of it where people are having a hard time with it because, you know, you, you had it sort of good on good and he wasn't sort of that great, great, great player, but I think he, he has a real chance to be helpful. And look, the Jets, God knows they need receiver help. Uh, so, I mean, he's going to have every opportunity to step in and be good. I mean, the Jets, uh, to their credit, this draft sort of worked out in a lot of ways uh, to get help in a few key areas. Again, they, they, they cannot get a pass rusher to save their lives, but they needed an offensive tackle to protect Darnold if, they're gonna, if this thing's actually going to be taken seriously. They needed more receiver help, and they got both those things. So that's at least a start. They at least addressed uh, Darnold part of this equation. Because there is a lot of talent there, but to this point, they just haven't really supported him. No, and it, you know it, whether it was his rookie year or whether it was you know year two, he had he had a strong run for a while. Question is going to be here now with more you know ammunition, so to speak, put in place. You know, can it be just more than a strong run? And you know, it's it's going to be really interesting how it plays out for them. Um, and obviously, you know, they're going to need Beckton to hit, and they're going to need him to you know take to, you know like a fish to water basically with the pass protection here. A lot invested in him, and you know. And one of the biggest things for him, it's, it's just going to be, you know, controlling the weight. Um, you know, he's good enough at the size, you know, you keep him at 355, 360. That's probably functional. He can probably play at that. He starts going north of that. You know, he brings up a ton of issues that you would certainly, you know, create a lot, a lot of questions. Uh, we'll get to the Raiders here in a minute. We'll start looking at the uh, Browns positional group. More to come here on your Friday, Locked on Browns. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about dinner just about when you finish lunch. I love food. That's why I love using Postmates. But I kind of love them even more right now because I can get food uh, brought to the house or without even opening the door. Given what's going on in the world, they've created non-contact deliveries. So now when I order from local restaurants, anything gets left right outside my front door. They walk away. I bring the food inside. Um, You local establishments here, these are keys, folks. If we all want to get back to our normal lives, we're going to want some place to go to. So, you know, help out the local establishments here that have been helping out your, your youth leagues, um, you know, where you've been having all your parties here. They need you now more than ever. Otherwise, you're going to be able to free to leave your house and you're going to have nowhere to go. Postmates just doesn't deliver burgers and sushi. They pick up everything I need. Walgreens, 7-Eleven, all of that stuff. They will do that for you. Download Postmates on iOS or Android. Place your order. Have it delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit credit for your first seven days to start your free deliveries download the app and use the promo code locked on nfl all caps no space that's code locked on nfl for 100 off free uh, a free delivery credit for your first seven days anything you need anytime you need it post made it 
We give a look over here to the Raiders now, Pete. And, you know, it started with rugs. And I know you're going to have your way with this draft class, um, especially with pick number two here. I'm not sure the way it all necessarily matched up as far as, you know, what they think they're doing as far as the quarterback they have. Henry Ruggs, 12 overall, first wide receiver that went in the 2020 NFL draft and almost 24-year-old cornerback Damon Arnett out of Ohio State. Uh, Lynn Bowden out of Kentucky, nice versatile player. For some reason, he's wearing jersey 33, so I'm not exactly sure what the Raiders' plan is with him. Ryan Edwards out of South Carolina. Obviously, you know, he had a tough draft cycle for himself. Uh, Tanner Muse, Clemson, safety, perhaps linebacker in the NFL. Again, Clemson, because, you know, they can never get away with guys that played in the big games. Uh, you know, uh, Mike May, I can't help himself with that. John Simpson, the guard out of Clemson. And close the draft off with a solid pick. That player we talked a ton about at 139 with Amik Robinson, cornerback of uh, out of Louisiana Tech. Pete. The Raiders are just wildly inconsistent in how they draft because they've got a couple of really good players. But uh, I know a lot of people believe in Henry Ruggs. If you go off data, he might be the one of the riskier prospects in the entire class um, between production and some of those things. We'll see how it goes. I mean, even uh, reportedly the Raiders basically got to the pick and, and basically said if they're going to be wrong, they're going to bet on speed. So that's why they took him. Damon Arnett, uh, we are now at the point where Mike Mayock is now trying to soften the blow of how awful this pick is by in insisting that he timed him at a 4-4-3 at the combine, despite the presence of electronic timing. Uh, which had him a full tenth of a second slower. Um, <laughs> just, it's just an awful pick. So they have a really, really risky first round. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, but then they, they, you know, they essentially clean it up a lot with the third round. Lynn Bowden, you know, he's fascinating. Uh, it, again, it was him and Antonio Gibson from Memphis, these guys who just both do so much on offense but didn't really have a true position. And obviously, Kentucky's situation was different. You know, he, he's a, a weapon, but they had to play him a quarterback because they, they had no one else. But he's just a guy that you put the ball in his hands and, and he can make things happen. He's just a tremendously exciting, lightning-in-a-bottle type athlete. Um, which and it's mostly just curious to see how they're going to utilize him. You know, he could be a receiver, he can be a running back, you know, just, but they, they, they have stayed, they've added so many receivers. You just wonder if he's really going to start out as sort of a running back, at least sort of an alignment wise, but he's really just another receiver. Brian Edwards uh, just has prototypical X characteristics. He's six, three, 212 pounds, big, fast, strong, can go down the field, can make uh, catches all over the place. Um, he had a broken foot he suffered in training uh, that knocked him out from doing the combine. He had a knee injury that prevented him uh, from playing the last couple games and missed the senior bowl. So that's sort of the question with him. He's great production. There's a lot to like about him. He's not really a finished product, but – He's got the look of a guy that can play. Uh, in it, like he's got an NFL body. He's got the look of a guy who can contribute. Tanner Muse is whatever. But then, like you take the, the last two picks. John Simpson is a quality guard. Um, 
he, he could be a really nice player for them. He fits what they want to do. Uh, they've got, you know, they've got big, strong plow horse type guys. Um, and then uh, they finish up with Amik Robertson from Louisiana Tech, who's a really nice slot corner, just feisty, competitive, fearless in terms of coverage, tackling, all that stuff. He's a really good uh, awareness type player that can come off of his man and, and make a play on the ball. There's just a lot to like about him. Uh, so, I mean, the Raiders get guys that can help them, but again, it's just the, the first round looks incredibly risky, and then it's, a lot of the rest of the picks seem to be sort of trying to make up for the for that first round, and that's just a really difficult way to live. So, I mean, if it works out and Ruggs is everything they hope he can be, it's great. My fear is that he's you know he's essentially just going to be what Henry Ruggs was at Alabama, which is basically the third receiver and you took that 12 overall. Um, but uh, Damon Arnett, I don't have much hope for that, but then the rest of it's interesting. They've got a ton of weapons. Um, they have not taken a quarterback uh, and they haven't mm -hmm. signed one yet. So as much as they seem to be almost begrudgingly taking Derek Carr, who's a good quarterback, they seem to be doing that. So uh, offensively, they're really interesting. I'm curious to see how this one goes together. They were better last year than I thought they would be. So now they've got a lot of interesting pieces to, to move around. Um, you know, love the Lynn Bowden pick with the running back number assignment. I don't know if maybe, you know, they're thinking some sort of Charlie Garner role that they uh, they had uh, Richard do. And obviously, you know, it was something John had for years where because he had, you know, Charlie Garner with him with the Raiders and then had him earlier with the Eagles. Um, Amik Robinson may end up having, in my opinion, probably going to have a better Raider career than David Arnett, who was drafted, you know, three rounds well ahead of him. Amik is Amik Robinson is what you Robertson is what you look for. It's like ideally what you're looking for in a slot guy. Good athlete, loose hips, like you said, nose for the ball, able to come off his man. And the other thing is he's just a pest. He's a pain in the ass. He'll battle you. And if he's playing in the slot, he's going to be able to get you know the opportunity, hopefully, you know, to you know, if he's smart about it, you know, you can use your hands a little bit more. It's a little, you know, really, really difficult to see what's going on underneath there. So, but uh, Amik Robinson, fantastic selection. Um, and you know, obviously, if you you went to Clemson, you played in big games, you're certainly going to find a way to be on, you know, Mike Mayock's draft board, so to speak. Here, uh, we'll get to the Browns positional group here. Uh, up next here on Lockdown Browns for your Friday episode. If you are not subscribed on iTunes, let's take care of that. If you are not following on Spotify, let's take care of that. Um, ratings, reviews, uh, the life of a podcast. That's what helps things out. It's what people go. The first thing they're going to search for is what other people think of the show here. So if you guys could please keep those coming with the five-star ratings of the written reviews. Uh, couldn't be you know more appreciative of you guys taking care of all of that for me here. Again, make sure you're following on iTunes. Uh, make sure you're following on Spotify. Make sure you're subscribed on iTunes. Five-star ratings and reviews, please and thank you, folks. Looking at this now, Pete, here, and I think we're probably in firm agreement where the weakest part of this Browns roster is. And it's not a knock because it's I think they're comfortable with it, and this is the way they addressed it. You know, look, they added a guy in free agency. They drafted a linebacker. We have serious doubts about how important that position is for them. But let's start stacking it up here from – Top to bottom, Pete, like where is this now? And th there's going to be a positional group here that we've been dogging on for years, but I think it's it's going to rank a lot more higher in the fold now than it probably ever has. 
Um, the Browns are good. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it really is that simple in a lot of ways. It's just everything with them is about, are they going to have enough time to put it all together? Are they going to have, you know, with an off season that's still up in the air, we don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, they're already missing time right now uh, that they can do all the virtual classrooms and all that stuff. And it's great. I mean, it's, that's a great tool and it can do a lot of stuff, but it's just very difficult to um, replace uh, practice and on-field reps are, are so important and you're installing a new offense, you're installing a new defense, you're adding pieces, you're, especially on the defensive side. There's a lot that suggests the Browns could be a good team. Uh, I, I, my question with them is, is, is it going to be sort of the early games are a little bit of a grind and then they sort of, uh, you know, get into form midway or later in the season and really start looking good or, you know, how is it going to work? And obviously the other aspect of this, and, and everybody's very excited about Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry, as they should be, but they are in the first year. And, and maybe Andrew Barry's largely already passed that test, but Kevin Stefanski and his, his group, um, his coaching staff have to pass that. And it's not easy. And it, it, everything going on is only making it more difficult. And I, I think he's well equipped for it, but it's just a really difficult situation. And you're going in a division with teams like the Baltimore Ravens, who have done nothing but change, uh, you know, basically are keeping everything and just adding stuff. Or the Steelers, who are largely staying the same and just adding stuff. Neither of those teams is changing coordinators. Neither of those teams is changing fundamentally what they do. Uh, that That is going to be a really difficult uh, match up for them, especially if they play them early. Uh, I just think the we'll see, I, and I'm I'm fully prepared to be wrong. I just think the the format of what this season is likely to become just gives a huge advantage to those teams that are largely running it back and just don't need as much practice time. Whereas a team like the Browns or a team like the Bengals, and I see people talking about them having a really good year. I, I think that's utter insanity i think they're going to be a disaster and it's not their fault i just think it's well the line part is their fault i just don't think they are are going to have anywhere near enough time i mean you're talking about <coughs> trying to develop a rookie quarterback by essentially taping him throwing in a field and sending it to the coach and the coach sort of looking at it i mean that's you're you're going to miss a ton of valuable opportunity. It's a rookie quarterback going into the NFL as a starter. That's incredibly difficult. And every time this happens, people seem to underestimate how difficult it is. But now you're adding all these this difficulty with it. So I think the Browns could be a really good team. I just think it's going to take time, and I think people have to have have a rational look at this where it could be – really good but it may not be playoffs it may not be where they're hoping it to be fast but they could get a lot better even if it doesn't reflect in the standing 
really use, you know, the Jaguar game early in the year. You know, some of these other, you know, softer teams are certainly, you know, hell, they could certainly use a Bengal game early in the year. So to, you know, get your feet wet, so to speak, here to wait to see, you know, see, you know, things you know, start to come together here. Look, it's great that you signed Conklin. It's great that you drafted Jedrick Wills here. But if it's not a lot of time, any offensive line is going to need time to gel. You know, the defense is usually faster than the offense here. But Pete, we've been, we've bashed on this defensive line group here for years, particularly the defensive tackles and certainly at times uh, the edge and the pass rushers here. I think they've, they've come a long way here. Um, and granted, they didn't do much, uh, you know, on the outside. I, well, I guess they sh- I shouldn't say that. You know, obviously, Claiborne's a nice addition here. Uh, you add in Billings. You draft Elliott here. This is by far the best this defensive line inside and out has looked since we started hammering away on it, I guess, two-plus years ago. Uh, the Browns defensive line, as currently constituted, is the best this team has had since probably 1994. Um, it's look, you have one of the best defensive players in the league, bar none. Miles My- Garrett is an absolute stud in every sense of the word. He is uh, he has every reason to be a top three defensive player of the year type Bruce Smith type force. Um, and, and up until his suspension, he was everything you hoped he would be um, uh, for last year. I mean, he, he, people can, can you know, scoff at the idea, but if you go back and actually look at what he was doing and everything with that, he had an argument to be Defensive Player of the Year up to, up to the point where he got suspended. Um, but the team was bad, and, you know, that's, that's sort of where it goes. The, the thing that's going to hopefully happen this year that didn't happen last year is Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon were playing well, but Sheldon Richardson hadn't really clicked yet. And then they both get go out, Garrett with the suspension, and then Vernon with the knee, and then suddenly Sheldon Richardson's playing the best, best football of, of his season the second half of the year. If they can get those three guys to sort of sync up you add Andrew Billings, who's there to be a, a, a run stopper. You hopefully get Alary Ogunjobi that's more akin to when he had Danny Shelton there, which was the best he's been. You have uh, Adrian Claiborne, who's a very good pass rusher. Like He's a good quality pass rusher. He may not, may not be very exciting for people, but I think when he gets on the field, they're going to be very pleasantly surprised what happens when he's on. It's not going to be like you know, groaning that when does Miles Garrett come back on the field? It's this guy can actually do some things. And then you have uh, the, the draft pick you add in the third round from Missouri is a talented player who doesn't need to be great. Um, he he just needs to be effective. Sheldon Richardson plays an absurd amount of reps for a defensive tackle, usually up around 70%. So you can get a guy who can contribute in that 30%. Maybe he's good enough where he doesn't even uh, where, he, where he can do a little more, but he's got a lot of skills uh, that can sort of contribute. And there is some pass rush ability in Jordan Elliott. So you can hopefully get sort of a, a rush package. If the Browns defense works as they hope, they're going to put teams in a lot more obvious passing situations and let these guys just go and get the quarterback. And I think, that could be a massive benefit uh, with with the changes they've made, adding more to the secondary, adding more uh, 
up front and, and you know, the linebacker is sort of the, the, the position that sort of suffers for it. But if they can do their job in terms of run stop and put them in obvious, uh, obvious passing situations, I think they can be really dangerous. And again, how quickly can this whole thing come together? I don't know. The defensive line in particular should be good right now because so many of them are just returning pieces. And, you know, with Billings, he's a veteran comfortable in his role, the health. Um, Elliot can do a little bit of everything. Um, you, you know, if he's going to get the opportunity in nickel and dime, that'd be fantastic. I mean, you could put him out there, you know, with, you know, Olivier, with Miles, with Sheldon Richardson. It's not a bad four. You know, Larry obviously can do some things, you know, pass rush-wise from the interior. Um, you can always move Miles around um, and you have Claiborne. Um, so, yeah, and, you know, D-line is usually one of the easier ones to gather, you know, come together. It's, you know, a lot of it's mano a mano and read react and go get the ball, go get the ball carrier, go get the quarterback, those type of things here. Pete, one of the fun parts here, and, you know, we got to see this, you know, a couple of days ago with Miles and David getting their fifth-year options picked up. It's starting to see teams who are like, yeah, that wasn't a great decision we made three years ago. A couple of names here off the bat, you know, Corey, uh, Corey Davis, uh, Tack McKinley, I believe Charles Harris was one of those guys who just got you know, traded for a seventh round pick, and he's only had three and a half years over three seasons. It's always fun to kind of see you know, the remorse here, and you know, essentially what was you know, if you want to say wasted, I guess I'll say wasted, a wasted first round pick. Which one, to Karis McKinley? Well, he was one, obviously. Uh, you know. Uh, just got traded today to the Falcons, you know, from Miami. Uh, Corey Davis, I think their thinking is we don't throw the ball anyway, so what the hell are we going to pay a fifth-year option on a first-round pick money for, especially when it was a top-ten pick. But you start to see this remorse factor here. I guess. I mean, Tech McKinley's not bad. Like, he would be better than – he would e- easily be our fourth-best defensive end right now. I, I don't think he's a bad player. And I don't think declining – an option is necessarily the end of the world for some of these guys. Obviously, um, you know, it, it represents a big tip payday and, and certainly players want it for the most part. Um, but I don't think it necessarily means they're done with them. There have been examples of guys who um, have not had their fifth year option picked up and then signed an extension. And with some of these guys that could happen. And obviously uh, declining the fifth year option sort of gives you the ability to sort of, uh, I guess put pressure on them slightly to perform because now it's suddenly a contract year. Um, but like Karis McKinley, I could see where the Falcons resign him. They just don't want to pay him, you know, $10 million or whatever the fifth year option was. Corey Davis, uh, look, he's not as good as, uh, he's not, he's not the best receiver on that team. Uh, they got, they got that dude out of, uh, out of Ole Miss. Uh, and he's clearly their best receiving option. And again, I don't. I, I, I think they could see a situation where they'd like to keep Corey Davis. Um, uh, but again, they just don't want to pay him whatever the option would be for what was it, the fourth pick in the draft. Um, that's tough. I mean, that you know, Corey Davis just hasn't been that guy. And to have uh, another dude come in and basically just immediately surpass him as a rookie. Um, doesn't make you feel good. But, yeah, I mean, there's no question that you end up in some of these situations where guys just aren't good. I mean, Solomon Thomas getting his decline was sort of a gimme. I mean, I, I don't think he'll be back with the 49ers. I think he's a he, he's sort of become a decent rotational option. But, obviously, 
uh, he, he's had some things happen in his life that, you know, he can't really plan for. Uh, just some really difficult situations with his family and things like that, uh, where he may have sort of a really nice second act. Hopefully he does, because he's a really, really talented player uh, at, at Stanford. I mean, he absolutely decimated Mitchell Trubisky in that bowl game. Uh, so you're hoping a guy like that with that much talent can sort of figure it out. But yeah, I mean, there's, there are some disappointments and there, there are some opportunities. So I, I again, I, I to Karis McKinley's tough because I, I don't think the, the Falcons are sort of giving up on him because he's a guy you would love to have, um, as sort of that fourth end type guy, if you could get him for, you know, a real cheap option. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I guess it's interesting, but they did make the trade for, you know, another DN today here. Uh, AJ oh, Brown. Yeah. He's, he's already become the bread and butter of, you know, the passing game for the Tennessee Titans. So eventually one day you're going to have to pay him and you're going to have two high price receivers on the roster. Um, Corey Davis, it's, it's been some good, a lot of just, you know, just not finding them, not existing so much to speak at times here. Oh, we'll close here, Pete. And I hope you guys saw it. And I don't know, Pete, if people truly understand. Five feet, 60 inches. That's the box jump Miles Garrett did. To get your body off the ground and to get it on a ledge five feet, it's it's just absolutely insane. Well, I mean, you know, like when he came out in the draft, some way back when I did, I found the formula to sort of measure how much pound, you know, how much weight he's essentially moving to jump as high as he jumps. And I think it was something like something absurd, like 900 pounds or something like that. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he, he, he's one of those guys who's just born winning the genetic lottery and wants to be great which is a scary combination. He, he, he works hard. He wants, you know, this is important to him. Uh, and, and he keeps pushing himself. So yeah, he's essentially, I mean, five feet is, is absurd. I mean, he's, he's jumping over like a small person. Uh, so in, in terms of that explosion, that ability to translate that coming off the line of scrimmage with that first step, it's, it's just, it's scary because that's what it's all about. It's about your ability to explode, your ability to sort of twitch and fire off those muscles, which, you know, in this case are, are jumping up and slightly forward to now just pressing off the ground and attacking off the ball. And, you know, there are times when I think he gets called offsides that I don't think he's offsides because he's just so freaking explosive, but you know, it's, it's, terrifying like if you're Makai Pecton you're a rookie and you have to now go block him like what are you doing I mean our 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 uh, our buddy Kyle Murphy who you know obviously Arizona State legend uh despite losing the Ohio State Buckeyes um basically when you ask him about Miles Garrett he's like I don't want to block that I, I don't want to block anything like that and he was an all-American so I mean it's just just the amount of ability that that Garrett has is just impressive and terrifying. And does it as a great person, uh, great man, great in the community. Uh, it's crazy. Um, my 13 year old daughter is five feet tall. He's literally jumping over my 13 year old daughter, or essentially jumping and landing on her head. Um, and yeah, like you know, any offensive lineman here would. You, you, 
your main goal is, look, you know you're going to get in battles. You know you're going to get beat. Nobody wants to get embarrassed. And that's the thing that Miles Garrett scares the daylights out of. Anybody that's going to draw that assignment is because you may get beat, but you also may get embarrassed. And those are the ones that get run back in films. Oh, oh look at this. And everybody, run it back. Run it, and it, it just it, soul taken from you. God put more in that body, and he's done more with it than God essentially gave to you here. NFL-wise, Pete, Browns-wise, anything you got to get off your chest? Um. No, I mean it's. I'm very. I'm fascinated to see where Andy Dalton goes, um, and 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 Cam Newton, but more Andy Dalton than anybody. That that that's an interesting dynamic because he could go start somewhere. If I don't know if the Patriots are even interested, uh, or you know somewhere like Jacksonville or some. Not that I. I don't. I I mean I think Gardner Mitchell's their guy at least for the time being. Uh, where where he goes, but it, it's fascinating because the NFL just at least for the moment, seems to be confident that, that supply has met demand on quarterbacks, which is an interesting dynamic that rarely happens. So, you know, a guy, a, and I make fun of Andy Dalton because I wish he would play in the AFC North forever because uh, he's very beatable, but he is a professional quarterback that can, can, can help a team. So, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick started for a team last year. That's still insane. Um so he's sort of where everything uh, I'm curious to see where that goes, just because it, it becomes a, a potential change in terms of the NFL landscape for a team if they sign him. I, I, I have a hard time believing you know, whenever camps open that this is what New England's going to bat with. I really, really do. Um, at least with Andy, you'd have a possibility if you can play really good defense. You know, maybe you'd have a shot in that respect here. You know, Jacksonville obviously makes sense with you know Jay Gruden down there. Uh, I guess, um, you know, and of course, you know, love to see him. You know, essentially QB the Bengals for another decade or so. Um, quite fitting though, Andy Dalton steps aside after uh, locked on Bengals host Joe. Goodberry spent the better part of a decade telling everybody how it was never going to work out with Andy Dalton. Um, and Joe Goodberry, as um, if you guys don't know Joe, fantastic guy, one half of the voice of uh, Lockdown Bangles, just stepping away from the game and everything here for a bit. Um, good dude. Always appreciated the talks with him. He's always been really good to me. Um, best of luck to my buddy Jake Liskow as he's going to take that over solo. Good luck with all of that here. Um, we'll put a bow on this here. Uh, everything, Browns Digest, at Browns Digest, obviously on social media, on Twitter. Um at underscore Pete Smith underscore. You can see everything Pete and the team from Browns Digest are doing through SI.com. Make sure you keep reading over there. You know, you're getting the, the player profiles here. Uh, I think Pete just dropped Harrison Bryant uh, a little bit earlier today. So go ahead, check that out on SI.com. The pod itself at Locked On Browns, all lowercase. Always a follow back account. DMs open. Um, iTunes rating reviews, Spotify, same thing. Ratings reviews here, please. And thank you as far as, you know, just keeps pushing the show here. Been a great few weeks here. Hopefully we can keep it going here and then we start getting hopefully to the point where we can actually start talking about, you know, football opening doors in some capacity here, getting back to business. Make sure you follow me at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Appreciate it there. DMs are open as well. This has been your daily delivery of all things dog pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.